This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade on the Brian Kilmeade Show as we get set to start Labor Day. Do not start your weekend until our show is done. I'm going to need to arm you for your barbecues and for your beach days or your back-to-school shopping as you shop for school and then go to your room and watch your teacher on Zoom. Unless you're in Europe, then you can go to school because in Europe, I guess they don't, they don't care as much about their children. I say sarcastically. Coming up shortly, Admiral James Charvitas will be with us uh, right at the bottom of the hour to tell us what the, his take on this Atlantic story about the president saying, I don't like soldiers. Why would someone die here? And I don't like wounded soldiers. They depress me. Uh, the Atlantic story by Jeffrey Goldberg is so out there. You saw the president last night. And if you saw the video, it's uh, it's uh, crazy because there's no light on him. You basically just hear the voiceover. It won't hurt my radio show. But if you've seen the voiceover, that's how desperate the president was to get ahead of this story that the Atlantic is publishing that they have unnamed sources on. And they say a high-ranking Defense Department official. But sadly, with this administration, some high-ranking people don't like the president to begin with. But in any of it's true, it's devastating. Uh, it is just another attack as we get set for this campaign season. Uh, we got some good news to start before we actually get to the big three, and it's about the economy. I know it's all about how you feel about the economy, and I get it, but unemployment fell under 10% for the first time since we shut down our economy in March. It's down to 8.4%. That is much deeper of a dive than we thought, and here's uh, some more good news. 1.4 million jobs added. So, these are good general signs. I understand if you're furloughed or you had to let go or if you're in the hospitality business or if you're in New York, you work for the New York Hilton, you don't care. If you're one of the 25,000 people employed by one of the 25,000 eateries in places like New York and maybe New Jersey who have been laid off, you don't care about that. But overall, the economy heading in the right direction, it's going to make this a very interesting election. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Pfizer, great company, announced that it expects to have the results of its vaccine trials in a matter of weeks, very shortly. But it really might even be delivered before the end of October. How do you like that? Wouldn't that be nice? It will be great. And Johnson & Johnson getting close to coronavirus, zeroing in on a vaccine. The medical team hopes to avoid a holiday surge, too. we got to be responsible. Don't make it like Memorial Day and the 4th of July. Meanwhile, uh, Nancy Pelosi tries to shake her salon scandal. She made it worse. And the president, having none of it, he made sure he tore into her the way she tore up his State of the Union address. Number two. I want to speak directly to the president. Mr. President. If you persist in trying to deny the funding that's keeping New York City going in the middle of this crisis, we will see you in court. And once again, we will beat you in court. Now, get some rest, Mayor, because you probably were up until midnight getting high, and then you slept till 10, blowing off all morning appointments. 
taking action. The president is tired of watching liberal cities abused and threatens to take their money, as New York is, as you just heard, threatening to take the White House to court. I have a better idea. How about a crackdown and backing the blue as an ugly incident services in Rochester, New York? The governor suddenly feels like he wants to investigate, even though it happened in March. And Portland chases away their liberal mayor. What is it going to take to bring our big cities under big-time control? Number one. So he hasn't answered questions in, what, two months or something. And yesterday, he took a couple, and they were setups like I've never seen. There's a lot of folks who thought that, well, the president's made great strides with his this law and order strides here. He hasn't. Not at all. Oh, my goodness. This is the first time I heard that. I just... <laughs> What's wrong with him? Um... On the trail, Biden and Trump exchange verbal shots and accusations as both hit key battleground states, which, according to the polls, many are just too close to call. Does that sound familiar? We'll review it. It's kind of cool in that we're almost back to normal. I know social distancing, wearing a mask, I get it. But the president's holding events. People are taking personal responsibility in a lot of them. He was in uh, Pennsylvania. The vice president's in North Carolina. They exchanged his positions this week. The uh, the former vice president went to Pennsylvania and then yesterday went to Kenosha, Wisconsin. He did not visit any of the burned out buildings, any of the destruction put together by the mob, by uh, perpetrated by the mob after the uh, shooting of Mr. Blake. But he did go and meet with the Blake family and did speak to a preacher and made those comments. Now, as far as President Trump goes, he is full bore into attacking the flip flops of his opponent. I mean, I've never seen it. It's happening in real time. He's saying, look, do I look like someone against law and order? Yeah, you look like somebody who hasn't commented that the protests were morphing into riots on a nightly basis in Seattle and Portland, in Chicago and in Kenosha because of an incident. So the president just says, listen, am I dealing with somebody who's just in denial about what they're going to do as president? This makes it really tough because he says, oh, for 47 years, I haven't been a radical. And you really haven't. But the people around you are and to win the nomination. You've pledged to do it. Cut one. You know, I watched Biden yesterday. So he hasn't answered questions in, what, two months or something. And yesterday, he took a couple, and they were setups like I've never seen. They're doing anything they can to get this sleepy guy into the White House, and I just don't think the public is going to fall for it. I don't think the public is going to fall for it. You know, in his best days, 25, 30 years ago, he was weak. He was weak as a senator. He was weak. He was not known as being one of the smart ones, and now it's not exactly prime time, I can tell you that. Look, no one even brings up the fact that plagiarism kept him out of running for president in 88 and that in one day he blew up his campaign in 2008 when he looked, made those comments about President, then Senator Obama saying he was clean and articulate, speaks well. And everyone's like, listen, we weren't going to vote for you anyway. But now we watched John Letterman, and he blew his campaign up the same day. Now they're acting like he's a savior, and he is not the same person he was. I think that is safe to say. So for the vice president, he was out there trying to mind meld with the uh, Blake family. Now, look, I think the, the attorney general made a tough statement on, uh, with Wolf Blitzer. Uh, Blake was there uh, committing a felony because he violated a protection order days before he was accused in, uh, in jail for sexual assault, it seems. And the cops were yelling, put down the knife. So we have not been able to hear from the cops and get the point of view of law enforcement. So that's a lot different from what we drew, saw with George Floyd. I think that's an important part of the story. Here is Joe Biden in Kenosha yesterday. Cut 22. 
There's a lot of folks who thought that, well, the president's made great strides with his, this, this, his you know, law and order strides here. That boy, after his convention, he really, really made inroads. He hasn't. Not at all. No, I'm not serious. I'm being, it should give you a little bit of confidence in the American people. So evidently, people are looking at him like, when's this guy going to wrap up? Uh, he was going on and on and on, and he made some comment. I don't know if we were had a chance to get it about shooting, which was just flat out bizarre. Because uh, listen, listen to him comment and said, "Well, he basically trying to say say something self-deprecating, but as usual, tripped over his tongue." The generic point I'm making is there's so much we can do, so much we can do, and we can do it just by eliminating. The tax cut for the top one-tenth of one percent, which is one trillion three hundred and fifty billion dollars, has done nothing to help anybody. I'm not going to punish anybody, but everybody should pay a fair share. And I can lay out for you. I won't now because they'll shoot me. But here's the deal. Okay. There's the deal. So when he says, here's the deal, come on, man, uh, they'll shoot me. When he has to correct himself on, an, on a rejoiner, those are the types of things evidently the Trump team is working on for the debates. They're reviewing all those debates, not just this cycle, but previous cycles and seeing what sets them off. And Trump sets you off on a good day. Yeah, I mean, he set off Jeb Bush, who is as calm, cool, collected as anyone I've seen. Remember how he rattled Rand Paul. What are you doing at the end of the stage? You know, he went after everybody. And he really wants to rattle Biden early and make him seem like the guy that's not can't, is not capable of being president, which would actually wipe him out of the way as more of the king of England than the prime minister. And everyone would look to Kamala Harris, missed three percent that couldn't get get her staff through one primary, who has said some radical things like cheering the defunding of one hundred fifty million dollars out of the police budget over in Los Angeles and decriminalizing border crossings and saying things like we're going to get rid of private insurance. Oops, that's unpopular. I don't know if I'll actually do that. So then all of a sudden you focus on Kamala Harris, you got a much different fight than the one who the person who's pretending to be a moderate. The other big story uh, that we're covering today is what's happening um, is what's happening with voting. The president's creating a little bit of controversy because he came out and said in a ham handed way, vote twice. Now, he's not saying vote twice. What he's saying is if you get a ballot and you didn't ask for a ballot. And you filled it out and you signed it and sent it in. You wonder, is this going to count? And you don't see your name on a voter roll because it's too quick. And your state like New Jersey and Nevada is not equipped to do this. Go down and vote anyway. And he's saying technically that's against the law. But in reality, in this atypical situation, the world of pandemics, yeah, you have to make sure your vote counts. And he's saying, especially if you're voting for me, not to vote twice, but to vote, make sure one vote counts. So you'll hear him say that he didn't back down from that. So let's take a look at what's happening with the battleground states. You know about Pennsylvania. You know about Colorado. Uh, we thought that might have been in play. It probably is not in play. But when you look at the Monmouth poll, when you look at the AP poll, when you look at uh, the uh, Quinnipiac poll, they're all over the place. But it's real close. For example, in Pennsylvania, Rasmussen says President Trump is even with Biden in Pennsylvania. That according to about a thousand, uh, that's a thousand likely voters. I want to see registered voters at this point. Even if Trump were to, by the way, uh, Minnesota, Harper places Trump within three points in Minnesota. No Republicans won there since 1972. That was the only state that Walter Mondale actually won. 
was his home state. Unlike Al Gore, if he had won his home state, he actually would have won the election. The Monmouth poll looks at North Carolina with likely voters. North Carolina shows that Trump trails Biden by two. 48-46, uh, in three separate polls. That 2% deficit is within the margin of error. Every single margin of error state, Trump won. And my only point was in 2016, when people say what kind of chances he have, he's supposed to lose to Hillary. Nobody, almost nobody has him winning. I said, well, if he's in the margin of error in all these places, why can't he win? Why can't a last-minute surge, the guy who's outworking his opponent, the guy who's got a much different message, the guy who's got much bigger crowds and bigger momentum, why can't he win? The answer was he can win, even though people didn't admit that he won the election really until the last six months. Now, remember, the Russians and Ukraine, and um, and then he uh, uh, then they wanted to contest that his 22,000 votes weren't fraudulent. Jill Stein did that. No one even admitted that he won. Oh, he lost the popular vote, and Trump, of course, doubles and triples down. So when you look at where we're at right now in the battleground straits, Tom Bevan of Real Curve Politics was on uh, Laura Ingram's show last night and talked about what Trump is up against. Cut 17. In those six battleground states, President Trump, in the final analysis, overperformed the polls by about two, 2.8 percentage points. Um, so let's just assume for the sake of argument that he's going to do that same thing and he's going to overperform by 2.8. That would lead him to win uh, a state like Michigan, for example, where he's close, it'd lead him to win North Carolina. The problem is he would lose Florida uh, right now uh, because he only overperformed the polls there by 1%, and he's trailing by more than that. And so really, I mean, if you look at the electoral map, he's got 36 electoral votes to play with and still win the election, um, which means he could lose two of those three upper Midwest states and still win the election so long as he wins the rest of the states, yeah. Arizona, Florida, North Carolina. And those are right now toss-up states. Interesting. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. When we come back, I'll take some calls. Then we'll welcome in Admiral Stravitas. We'll talk about what happened uh, with this story that the Atlantic's been holding since two thousand eighteen. All about the election. If you're a foreign policy writer for the Atlantic, why are you holding this story for two years? Number one. Number two. Uh, we'll take your calls about the riots and the De Blasio, Governor Cuomo, President Trump exchange. Cuomo, just a child. You should be embarrassed, uh, New Yorkers, that he's pre- he's uh, his ratings are uh, six out of every ten New Yorkers happy the job he's doing. I'm stunned by that. Uh, I think that's way too high. And not not one New Yorker will admit that De Blasio knows what he's doing. But Cuomo's doing nothing. What he just said about indoor dining. Uh, it will make you sick. Uh, what uh, Mayor de Blasio is threatening to do will make you ill. But we're going to go over it and talk about the idiocy in Portland as well as Seattle. A lot to discuss. I want you there. one 408 Don't start your Labor Day yet or do it with me with you. Don't move. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. 
While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. We could end it in Portland in a half an hour. We did it in Seattle. We told them, we're coming in. You either end it or we're coming in. And the mayor said, no, it's going to be a summer of love. These people are crazy. So we we end them very quickly. We end them very quickly. And now what we're doing is we're holding back funds for cities that don't know what they're doing, where they allow crime to run rampant. And that is the president yesterday. I mean, look, I'm going to put my mic up here. Uh, that was the president yesterday. He was sitting there in, in, uh, North, in, in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and he's, he's saying, listen, oh, you know what's going on in these cities. I'm sitting here in rural Pennsylvania. I need you guys to come out and deliver, but you see that horror on television every day, and you want me to do something. So I offer help. They don't take it. So now I'm going to take away funds to get their attention. So now when Joe Biden comes out or any critic comes out, which is every other channel and probably every other show, and says, why isn't the president doing enough? It is his watch. He's the president. When he respects city and state's rights, he's still a dictator. And then when he goes and does all the levers of power, now he has people criticizing him. For example, the loser mayor, uh, Mayor de Blasio, basically says, if you do that, I'm going to sue you. Cut 27. I want to speak directly to the president. Mr. President... We asked you to help New York City, and you weren't there for us. We asked you for testing. Beginning of this crisis never came. We asked you for a stimulus to help us get back on our feet. You didn't lift a finger. We asked you for the truth about the coronavirus so we could all move forward together. And you refused to tell New Yorkers and the American people what was really going on. So you failed us. And now you want to punish us? It makes no sense. Right. Uh, Mayor de Blasio, Mr. Let's go to Chinatown and celebrate Chinese New Year because they can't. Does that make any sense? Does setting up now uh, stops before you get in screens, before you actually get into New York City? Once you got the uh, bent the curve down to under one percent, does that make sense? What do you want to do about testing? Maybe maybe you remember Governor Cuomo, who's in charge of the state, uh, who suddenly just given you control of the city to ruin. Uh, What was Governor Cuomo meaning when he said this? He has been good in delivering for New York. He has. He, is, uh, he has. He has delivered for New York. The Army Corps of Engineers, we built thousands of beds. He sent the uh, Navy ship Comfort to New York. Yeah, so he maybe, has- maybe Governor, maybe you want to call the mayor. Uh, this is why no one believes you. You make no sense. Let's go out to Eli in New Jersey. Hey, Eli. Hi, Brian. How are you? Love your show. Thank you. Um, Quick question about Joe Biden's um, visit to Kenosha yesterday, just specifically him meeting with Jacob Blake's father, who's a, yep. 
follower of Louis Farrakhan, one of the most prominent anti-Semitic voices in America. I just want to know what you think about that. I think that there's a huge complexity to Kenosha, and the president is smart to say, I'm not going to get involved yet until I could find out the details. Why don't they tell us the details of these stories? Why don't they tell us that he beat a stun gun? Why don't they tell us that this woman called for cops for help because she was scared of being assaulted again? Why don't we give us an idea of this guy's track record? Why don't we know yet if he has a knife or a gun? Why don't we know that maybe the cop was worried about the kids' own kids in his car? So how much did he care about his kids if he's going out to violate a protection order and knowing he was putting himself in jeopardy and his kids? So I think that there's a lot more to this story, and the president was, was probably smart not to meet with the family. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I haven't read the whole piece, but if, I, if I'm tracking correctly, I think I was on that trip as well. But what I can say for sure is I've never heard. I've been with this president now for coming on four years. I've never heard the president use the language that assertively is said in that article about him calling the military suckers and losers. I've never seen that in Gene. Just the contrary. He has always had the deepest respect. I'm a veteran, too. I care deeply about these young men and women. I've watched the president honor them in every situation that I've been in with him as well. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on Fox and Friends today uh, commenting on the Atlantic article that basically said he didn't want to go to a World War One battlefield uh, in France because he says those guys were all losers. And why were we fighting on uh, fighting for somebody else anyway? Who were the good guys? And the Atlantic story could have been written in 2018, but mysteriously has been written on Labor Day uh, in 2020. Uh, with us right now is Admiral James Stavridis. You know, he used to run NATO. He had the keys to the place. And you could always follow what he thinks on AdmiralStav.com. Admiral, welcome back. Good to be back, Brian. Happy Labor Day. Uh, same to you. Sailing True North, the name of your book, Ten Admirals in the Voyage of Character. A great read, especially for this weekend if you spend all three days on the beach. Because a lot of us are staying home on Labor Day because of uh, all the restrictions uh, and the pandemic. So, Admiral, what is your take on this Atlantic story? Well, first of all, I've been to so many of those battlefields all over Europe and North Africa as Supreme Allied Commander. I can't count the number of wreaths I've laid. And and these are sacred shrines to our military, to those who've really given their all. Um, Obviously, I have never been around President Trump in in the course of his presidency. I met him beforehand. Uh, But I think that this is a, a serious allegation from a serious reporter And I think it's incumbent upon people like uh, Chief of Staff John Kelly, who's effectively named in the article, uh, to come out and tell us whether it's true or not, because it's an important uh, comment, if true, uh, and explosively bad for the president. And he has been, as you know, Brian, he's publicly spoken on tape about Senator McCain, for example, uh, in ways that are not very flattering. So. I, as you know, I always stay out of the domestic politics of things. I would like to see from uh, General Kelly or General Mattis either an affirmative or a negative statement on this. CNN evidently is reporting, or there's some reports out there, that CNN is putting together an anti-Trump former staffer uh, conference that might include General Mattis, Gary Cohn, and maybe General Kelly there. Uh, have you heard that? I have not, and I find it 
unlikely that either of the two generals would participate in something that's billed as an anti-Trump conference. Both of them have been very consistent in saying uh, they don't intend to criticize a seated president. So it would be surprising to me to see the two of them. In terms of staffers, you certainly see plenty of <clears throat> staffers of Republican senators, like Senator McCain's staff, who come out uh, against President Trump. This would be a, another step in that direction. Again, I think it's unlikely you'll see the two generals. Stay tuned. Your title is Admiral. You're, you're everything to do with the Navy. How do you feel about China effectively having a bigger Navy than ours and might be the first to be able to deploy uh, ballistic missiles on ships? Uh, I am very concerned about this, and I think it would come as a surprise to most Americans that the Chinese Navy is actually, in terms of numbers of warships, is larger than that of the United States. We have about 290 warships. China is uh, pushing uh, toward 400, and it shows no signs of slowing down. And they're very capable warships, Brian, for what China intends to do with them, which is to use them in the South China Sea uh, to pressure Taiwan, to pressure the other nations of that region, and uh, consolidate their claims to the entire South China Sea. So we're on a collision course in a maritime sense, no pun intended, with China, we ought to be concerned about these ship numbers, and I think it's a good argument for more shipbuilding here in the United States. I'll close by saying uh, the goal, uh, well stated by the Navy, well stated by the Department of Defense, uh, enshrined in law from the Congress, is to get the Navy to 355 ships. Again, we're at about 290. Um, we need to do that because of the rising concerns we should have about the Chinese Navy. Admiral, I've never heard a Democratic candidate, especially this one, talk about increasing defense spending. And we know what happens to defense through sequester and other things in the previous eight years of the administration. Does that concern you? If you cite that as a need, don't you think that should be an election issue? I think it should be. And I think it ought to be debated between the two candidates and as uh, voters go to the polls. They get to decide what issues really matter to them as they cast the ballot. I will say this. The Department of Defense budget, really round numbers, is kind of between 600 and $700 billion. What I would say is we need to reallocate within that budget uh, as a starting point. And I would think both campaigns would agree on that. We ought to put more money into cyber, more money into special forces, more money into unmanned vehicles, more money into artificial intelligence. Uh, I know I'm a former admiral, but I will say I think more maritime capability is called for more long-range strike. We probably need less in some of the other more traditional areas of the military, because I think, Brian, it's unlikely we're going to have a land war with China but we're certainly going to have a maritime and an aviation competition. So there's a reallocation piece to this that's important to understand as well. To summarize on this uh, time in which we just looking just past VJ Day and the end of World War II and these celebrations and recognitions, Russia and China put together a joint statement citing uh, the U.S.'s role in world, world affairs, World War II, but also citing their long-term alliance. Uh, what is that message that we're supposed to take from them reaffirming their relationship, which, by the way, is full of friction, full of years of friction and, and, and confrontation as well. Indeed it is. And you know your Cold War history as well as I do. Generally throughout the Cold War, they were in competition, yeah. uh, if not conflict, to try and lead the so-called communist world. But uh, in 21st century terms, we need to be concerned about this because 
uh, how well they, to use the Jerry Maguire line, how well they complete each other. Uh, China's massive population, industrialized, uh, artificial intelligence, cyber. What's Russia? Russia is a huge, huge, vast land full of natural resources, which China does not have. Oil, gas, timber, arable land, rare earths. Uh, frankly, China looks at Russia, particularly Siberia, the way my dog looks at a ribeye steak. I mean, it looks really good. And Vladimir Putin better be careful about who's the senior partner and who's the junior partner in that relationship. But bottom line, Brian, this is a big muscle movement in global geopolitics, this alignment of Russia and China. Final thought, it means the United States and our Western allies uh, ought to be trying to build our relationship with India, because over time, uh, India, a big democracy, yep. ought to align with us. And that, I think, is how we balance China and Russia. Very interesting. Yeah. So they could start picking it up economically. Uh, and we know that they've had direct confrontations with China of late. Admiral, what, I've, what I am heartened by is China started a PR offensive in Europe and they fell flat on their face. And I love that. I love that the European capitals aren't seeing dollars. They're seeing, they're seeing the damage a Chinese alliance can bring. That's exactly right. And as you know, the flashpoint here started out as what 5G network our nation's going to use. And the United States, I think, has made a very coherent case to our allies all over the world, not just in Europe, that they should not sign up to the Chinese 5G network offered by a company called Huawei. And initially there was pushback from our allies. Now more and more of them are joining with us. And it's part of the broader sense you get from Europe, but also from parts of Asia, that people are not signing on to the Chinese train. Uh, as well as uh, a couple other things that China is doing. Uh, number one, they're buying TV stations in Brazil to get out their message, even though the Brazilian president knows that China, it's a one-way alliance, and he took office going to take on China. But he's, they're losing the PR war because they're, they're, buy, they're buying up the news, essentially. Um, number two is we're seeing that China is considering dumping our treasury bills using economic yeah. warfare. What would that do? Um, that would be very uh, difficult for the U.S. economy for a lot of obvious reasons. Um, if there were a lot of T-bills on the market suddenly that people could buy, supply and demand, um, it would create a major uh, discomfort here in the United States. And, Brian, our response to that, frankly, would be to close our markets to China. These are two nuclear options, if you will, for China to really call in all of its U.S. debt on the other hand, the U.S. response would probably be simply shutting our markets to China. That's not going to help either country. So I think it's unlikely China is going to reach for that nuclear option. What you will see them doing is kind of playing rope-a-dope between now and the election. They're probably looking at a very different set of deals with the Trump administration or Biden administration. So on that one, uh, no big movement between now and the election. Post-election, it'll depend on which administration is in power. And is North Korea waiting for that, too? Oh, big time. Both North Korea and Iran, uh, which you may have noticed have been kind of silent of late, uh, are waiting uh, simply because for both of those countries, very different paths. The Trump administration, Iran, really does not want that. More maximum pressure, uh, great challenge ahead for the Ayatollahs. Over in North Korea, on the other hand, 
the North Koreans will probably, if it's a new administration, will start out by testing the Biden administration, maybe do a nuclear test, maybe do long-range tests. But both countries are waiting for the results of our election. So in the least surprising story, uh, in Afghanistan, released Taliban uh, warfighters are going back to fighting war and trying to overthrow the government that had them jailed. Uh, I mean, this is... Why even report this? This was inevitable. And I'm really upset by what's happening over in Afghanistan and the decrease in troops in Iraq. We had a a somewhat stable situation uh, while every day that went by, theoretically, the Afghan government would get stronger. Uh, Not if you release all the enemy fighters and not if you say we're leaving soon. Exactly right. And I I think these are both of a piece in Afghanistan and Iraq. And, And as always, Let's just remind folks that at one time we had 200,000 troops in Iraq and 150,000 troops in Afghanistan. That's 350,000 all told. Today we're down to 5,000 maybe in Iraq and maybe about 8,000 in Afghanistan. So we've gone from 350,000 troops to 13,000 troops, and we've still maintained an uneasy peace But that's how we're going to get to a negotiated settlement is keeping that pressure on. It's a big mistake to be pulling troops out of either of those countries right now. Small investment, big return. Yeah, I I just hope the next secretary of defense, uh, because Esper looks like he wants out of there if uh, Trump wins and the next one with Biden understands and sells the American public on the need for stability, not dominance. And the people of Afghanistan and Iraq are clear now. America didn't take your oil. We don't want your land. We don't abuse your people. We're trying to give you a chance to build your own country. And I think the the one good thing that can emerge is our actions tell the story, don't you think? Completely. And, you know, there's an old expression about Afghanistan that it it has been the graveyard of empires. And people quoted that to me all the time. Alexander the Great, the British at the height of the rock, uh, the Russians— the graveyard of empires. And I always said to people, it won't be our graveyard because we're not an empire. Exactly. We don't want to own this place. We want democracy. We want rights for the women. We want them to be part of our world. We can still get there. Pulling the troops out now, big mistake. All right, Admiral. Would, how much, if at all, do you thirst to get back in government and make an impact? Not that you haven't done enough for 20 careers, but do you say to yourself sometimes, I'd love to be out there with uh, – Uh, with the power behind me? Thirst is the wrong word. Uh, But I will say this, um, and I've always said it, I'm open to further opportunities to serve the country. And I'm always open to that conversation. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. (laughs) Should I run for office? And I need a secretary of defense. All right, Admiral, you wouldn't even need an interview. You got the job. So You're uh, the best to say that. Thank you, sir. <laughs> All right. A wonderful, then, wonderful long weekend with your family. Go get him, Admiral. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, when we come back, we'll take your calls. one 408 It's a big Friday. We really appreciate you being here. And if you start your weekend, thanks for listening to us. And if you haven't yet, thanks for waiting. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis. Because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. But how about this one? 
The Democrats yesterday came out with a plan. Did you see it? Now, they're the D.C. Democrats. They want to change the name of the Washington Monument, perhaps take it down. Thomas Jefferson, pretty good Thomas Jefferson, right? You could forget about ever hearing that name again. Abraham Lincoln, you could forget about it. They want to take down all statues, all monuments in Washington. You know, I talked to uh, Molly Hemingway. I talked to Victor Davis Hanson. I, I've talked to politicians. If I, you know, a year and a half ago, I'd say that's kind of rhetoric. Three years ago, oh, come on. That's, uh, that's just idea, ideologues talking about the American history. And now I believe that it's something that could really happen, and not to the degree of moving, but how about surrounding the Jefferson Memorial with scaffolding? How about sitting there and, and seeing constant defilement of the 153 different monuments and assets in and around Washington, D.C., that was put together by the D.C. mayor? Uh, the commission recommended 153 uh, assets and monuments and plaques be changed. She says, well, not everything, just the ones on D.C. property, the federal land we don't have to worry about. Excuse me? So is President Biden going to stand in the way of a Democratic mayor when it comes to maybe taking down Benjamin Franklin's statue or monument? I don't know what Benjamin Franklin did wrong. He was one of the first abolitionists, period. When you look at Jefferson, we wouldn't have a country without him. When you look at Washington, we wouldn't be here without him. So you want to add Go ahead. But if you want to take away and you think it's just rhetoric, you haven't seen what's happening in California where they're changing the textbooks. You haven't seen what's happening possibly in your town with these groups that have been financed by some mysterious source to change and challenge the curriculum in your small town and some of your big cities. Uh, Jane is in Seattle. Hey, Jane. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. No problem. What's on your mind? Well, basically, it's this. Uh, the, the politicians here in Seattle and Washington, uh, even before the COVID and, and the riots and all of this, this started, were basically inviting all the homeless here, giving them, you know, free drugs, I free know. pickup, free alcohol, all of this. San Francisco, too. Seattle. Exactly. But the thing about it is when they declared this to be a sanctuary state, and there are a lot of us that absolutely disagree with this. But as soon as they, part of declaring themselves a sanctuary was that they would not get federal funding anymore. And they said, they basically said, screw you, we don't need your money. And now that the President Trump is, is threatening to, to say, okay, well, then we're going to withhold it. They're, they're screaming. But the truth is, is, that's what they knew. They knew that. They signed up for it. And they said, we don't need it. And the only thing that they will understand here is financial. And, and I... Hey, Jane, the president lost in court when he tried to defund the sanctuary cities. That's the sad part. He lost in court when they're violating the rules, the laws. They, they Somehow the courts didn't uphold it. But he's doing everything he can. He's doing everything he can because he knows it's wrong, just like you do. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Get ready for Labor Day. 
We have another holiday, but listen, be aware. Every time we have a holiday, we tend to blow up numbers with this coronavirus and Memorial Day and Fourth of July. Let's be careful. This hour, we're going to be joined by Geraldo, who's celebrating a big weekend, a chance to see Geraldo's career in black and white and in color. Uh, he is going to be on Fox Nation, a special there. And Jesse Waters is back in the studio, and he is, uh, of course, this one of the stars of The Five. He's got the Jesse Waters show over the weekend. We're going to talk about all that. Some good economic numbers are in. Unemployment dropped to 8.4%. Normally horrific, but since March, it's the best number. Added 1.4 million jobs. Still got a, We still lost 11 million. We have a long way to go. Hospitality business has been slammed. Restaurants, excuse me, uh, when you talk about transportation being killed, uh, restaurants being destroyed. They say that 60% of restaurants aren't coming back. Wow. And, of course, uh, hotels and planes. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Pfizer, great company, announced that it expects to have the results of its vaccine trials in a matter of weeks, very shortly. But it really might even be delivered before the end of October. How do you like that? Wouldn't that be nice? That would be great, as well as Johnson & Johnson making some big gains, too. The coronavirus zeroing in on a vaccine, that's good news. Meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi has, tries to put out and shake her salon scandal. I'm not having it. The president's not having it. And the salon owner's not having it, tearing into her like she tore up his State of the Union address. Number two. I want to speak directly to the president. Mr. President, if you persist in trying to deny the funding that's keeping New York City going in the middle of this crisis, we will see you in court. And once again, we will beat you in court. Right. Uh, taking action. The president tired of watching liberal cities abused and threatened to take their money as New York among the targets threatening to take the White House to court. I got a better idea. How about cracking down and backing the blue as an ugly incident surfaces in Rochester, New York and Portland chases away their very liberal mayor? What is it going to take to bring our cities under control? Number one. So he hasn't answered questions in, what, two months or something. And yesterday... He took a couple, and they were setups like I've never seen. There's a lot of folks who thought that, well, See, the president's folks. made great strides folks, with his, this law and order strides here. He hasn't. Not at all. So bizarre. So bizarre. On the trail, Biden and Trump exchanged verbal shots and accusations as both hit key battleground states, which, according to polls, many are too close to call. Does that sound familiar? We'll review it and talk about what candidates are doing today. With that, let's bring in Geraldo Rivera. He plays the role of Geraldo Rivera every single day. And the Geraldo show is going to be on Fox Nation, right, Geraldo? That's right. Uh, the fourth uh, installment of uh, I Am Geraldo 50 Years uh, is, I, I guess, gets posted today. And then I've got the special on the channel uh, Sunday night at 10. So how do you feel about uh, seeing all this stuff, going through it again with Craig and, and deciding what's in and out of your own life? What a great question. I haven't had any part in the editing. Craig's done the whole thing. Uh, but I watched it uh, with Erica, my wife, and and to go back, uh, you know, the stuff in the 70s and the long hair and, you know, the stories that we were doing, how, how it, it's just, I think the thing about 50 years in public is you're in plain view uh, for the whole arc of, that, of your life. Basically, it's my whole adult life. In the world, you think about all the things that happened in the world, all the, you know, there was no internet when I started, no cell phones, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, no social media. Uh, it, it, we, we took two tons of equipment to Afghanistan. Nowadays, you take an iPhone. Uh, you know, so uh, it, the world has changed so much 
and uh, the fact that you know I'm I'm still around, uh, you know that, that you know survivor survival is a uh, you know my the greatest revenge. Uh, you know I've outlived uh, like twenty generations of TV critics, Brian. Uh, I know. And the other thing before we get to the news, just how important? When did you realize that you wanted to? Be known and be famous because you're at Maritime. You go to the University of Arizona. You're a lawyer. There's no sense. It's not like you were in and around Los Angeles and you were going to auditions as a kid and got that thirst for uh, fame and fortune. When did the public persona begin to matter to you? That's such an interesting question. I haven't I haven't thought about it in in a long time because I had no plans on being in the news business at all. I was a I was a well known activist attorney representing uh, uh, groups that were you know not unlike uh, Black Lives Matter at least in its most benign uh, incarnation. Uh, and it was the middle of the anti-war demonstrations and the civil rights demonstrations. And someone came to me and said, hey, kid, you want to be on television? And it's something I never really considered. Then uh, they sent me to Columbia for a crash course. Uh, and then I, I went – I was the first reporter I ever saw working on television was me. Uh, you know, So I learned <laughs> really? on the fly. And uh, yeah. I think that the reason I have – my style was uh, was so different is that I didn't come up the traditional way, and I started in the biggest market in the world, New York, New York City. So it was quite some. Can I just say the president uh, called me just before, uh, uh, you know, just after I got on the uh, off the air on Fox and Friends, the president called to congratulate me, and, was, and he makes an appearance in the special on Sunday night also. Wow. So what did he say? Uh, well, he said uh, he said a lot of things. I can I can give you some quotes because he made some sure. news. I think he said uh, you know he really is so hurt about that whole uh, uh, you know the visit to the uh, the military cemetery in France and the you know the fact that he called that trip off. Uh, he said here I'll read I'll read what he said. Uh, honored President Trump just called to congratulate my 50th TV anniversary. Aside from warm words, he expressed frustration, even anguish over, quote, the phony story in, quote, failing far-left magazine Atlantic, alleging he called dead GIs losers. Uh, and he, he, he insists, as, as does every other person on that trip, that it was harsh weather that thwarted his planned visit, not uh, some, uh, uh, you know, this whole thing about the losers is just so infuriating that he would never ever say something like that. And he was at. They also go on to say that he was visiting Section 60 with General Kelly to visit his son's grave at Arlington. And he said, "What did they get out of it?" And people are taking that as, "Why did they do it? Why would they do it? What did they get out of it?" In a way, I would take that as it's a salute. You know, they gave for their country. What did they get out of it? That's exactly how I would get it, uh, take it. And I really, I think we should call on General John Kelly, who is an honorable man, uh, to set the record straight and and say in no uncertain terms what you just said, because I think that's the truth, Brian. All right. Uh, You know, he is honorable, unless, of course, he uh, deals with the press with the president. Then all of a sudden, everyone had a huge problem with General Kelly. Uh, But uh, what do you think about the report that I read that Anderson Cooper is putting together Gary Cohn, General Kelly, and General Mattis, uh, of former Trump staffers, to do a town hall on what a bad person I imagine Donald Trump is? You know, I I always liked Anderson Cooper. I I remember uh, coming home from... uh, 
Afghanistan and he, he, he being on uh, one of the planes and uh, chatting with him how he started and how people were so critical of him and uh, you know he had uh, people all over him criticizing his personal style and everything and I always liked him and I, I supported him uh, but there is no doubt in my mind Brian and I, I'd say this and Anderson if you're listening uh, something happened to you uh, beginning with that whole Russia hoax uh, you have been one of the main cheerleaders trying to drag down President Trump with a phony story, a hoax story that you promoted uh, Anderson in a way that was shockingly enthusiastic, uh, only to come up with nothing. I mean, you accused the president of the United States essentially of being a traitor to the country, of being an, a, a tool in the hands of Vladimir Putin. I think that it's time, uh, Anderson, that you recognize that what you're doing with this town hall as another example is not journalism. Don't pretend to be a reporter. You're, uh, you're an advocate. You're a, a, a far liberal commentator and, uh, you know, colors everything, everything you do and everything you say. That's wow. what I say. Understood. And I know it's the same thing. That's not a news show. Either is Wolf Blitzer's a news show. Uh, they pretend to be news shows. Uh, that's like Sean saying that he's going to do Brett's show. It's not going to work. He, he, people are there, but don't pretend to do Brett's show. Don't pretend yeah. to be one thing when you're not. So let's talk about uh, what's going on in New York. Uh, Governor Cuomo, in a temper tantrum, calls out the president, and then the president fires back uh, about the coronavirus. You should have you protected us. You should have done this, and you can't walk down New York. You better bring an army. I got news for you, and Geraldo, maybe you'll back me up on this, maybe you won't. The men and women in blue will got, will actually escort this president through the streets. I am not too sure they do the same thing for the governor, and certainly not the mayor. I thought that was a temper tantrum, and the president fired back yesterday, cut 26. We have a governor in New York who's 36,000 people died, 11,000 people in nursing home because he made a mistake. He made a horrible mistake. And I built him a convention center with 2,800 beds that they didn't use it. And I sent up a ship, a great hospital ship, a massive hospital with hundreds and hundreds of rooms and they didn't use it. And he requested it. And then I said, you're not using it. Why aren't you using it? He could have put those people in the convention center, in the hospital ship. What a shame. So, I mean, two guys from New York duking it out. One went to the other one's wedding. I mean, what's going on here? You know, uh, I'm, I've always admired the Cuomo family. Uh, Mario Cuomo, uh, like uh, like Andrew, a three-time governor of New York, was one of my most frequent guests on Rivera Live, my old CNBC show. So I honor them and Matilda, uh, the mom. Uh, at, at a superficial level, this is uh, two tough guys from Queens calling each other out. Uh, my Johnson's bigger than yours. Uh, you know, uh, uh, but, but I, I, I think that what you forget and what people tend to forget is we're talking about the president of the United States. I feel like Bill de Blasio allowed Black Lives Matter to paint in front of the Trump building uh, Black Lives Matter. It was a, 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 an affront, an insult, an in-your-face. They knew exactly what they were doing with that, uh, uh, that, that spiteful uh, deed. Uh, Andrew Cuomo, with this, you need an army to walk down the streets. I think you're exactly right, Brian. He got it, he got it total backwards. He got it backwards. I think we, with that nursing home and Genestine, God bless her, it was her in-laws who both uh, uh, perished in the nursing homes there, and uh, 11,000 others just like them. I think that uh, the 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 glow is off the uh, 
the Andrew Cuomo uh, uh, rose there. Uh, uh, you know, he uh, you know he he did a, 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 the best job he could possibly do, but he made a horrible error in allowing infected people to go back into those nursing homes. That's a mistake that he has to live with, and the, all the bluster and all of the insulting Trump, and it's all about Trump, is a deflection. Uh, from what is what history will say was a tragic mistake. Maybe, uh, and I think it's probably true that many other governors did similar errors uh, in the, with the best intentions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's something that they have to live with. And uh, this calling out—I mean, where the hell is the respect for the commander in chief? I mean, oh, I yeah. understand politics. I understand how dirty it gets. I've been around a long time, 50 years. Uh, but uh, at a certain point. It's like uh, it's like going after, uh, you know, just pick a, a leader of anything, and uh, the, the head of the church or the uh, the head of uh, NATO or the head of whatever it is. You got to show deference. The United Nations, World Health Organization. You got to show deference to people who, uh, you know, have. I thought I, so. I've known yeah. Donald Trump since 1977. I never call him anything than, other than Mr. President. Lastly, no, Mr. President, I'm going to surprise you with this NBA. You know what they're doing. You know, Doc Rivers statements. You know what's going on every single night. You know, they use their postgame press conferences to talk about uh, race. Their ratings are down 20 percent. And a poll finds that 38 percent of their fans are not watching because the NBA has become too political. Uh, And the playoff uh, playoff ratings are slipping as well, uh, even more. So in a time in which things should be heating up is the bigger names and the better teams are playing. The ratings aren't. What do you take away from that, Araldo? Well, first of all, I think Doc Rivers is a very sincere person. I think LeBron James is also. And I understand that they, they want to use their visibility and their positions uh, to do good for people that they care about. I, I totally get that. But the politicization of professional sports is throwing an in-your-face, divisive, partisan 100% issue into 100%. what should be a universal, we're all in this together. If they want to do whatever they want to do in, in the offseason, I don't care, whatever, they have to understand that when people go to a basketball game or a football game or a baseball game, they're going for the sports. If you want to take a knee, I, I think that's really disrespectful in my own view and a distraction in my own view, but it's, you know, then the game goes on. But the, to make it so much a part of the of the of the of the game, where Black Lives Matter jerseys and uh, social justice slogans and all the rest of it, I mean, to be it's a it's being they are lecturing us. I They're lecturing you. everybody who's watching, so they cannot be surprised when some people just opt out. However, they love the game. They don't want to be lectured to by people that disagree with them on the fundamental issues and politics. It's just I think it's suicide. For the NBA and the NFL. And the NFL should learn from it. And the MLB. The NFL better watch what's happening to the NBA. If you want it to be, uh, you know, one of those Mm -hmm. specialty uh, sports where a narrow slice of society is engaged and some people watch, uh, you know, their eyes closed at certain points or they pinch in their nose. I mean, you're going to diminish and you're also going to diminish your ability to reach out with your message if you keep jamming it down people's throats. Absolutely. And that only comes from 50 years of experience. Geraldo, Her- <laughs> got to watch you on Fox Nation, watch the latest part, and uh, always great to have you on. Thanks so much, Geraldo. Right. Okay, All right. Uh, back in a moment with your calls, one 408 7669 Moving through this Friday edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move.
Getting past all the rhetoric. It's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. There's a lot of folks who thought that, well, the president's made great strides with his, this, this, his you know, law and order strides here. That boy, after his convention, he really, really made inroads. He hasn't. Not at all. That is Joe Biden unscripted. That's why it benefits Donald Trump the more he speaks. He goes out there, bores people to death in a church, talked inappropriately, and then a little bit later on was saying he read the audience that they were starting to lose interest in what he was saying. Plus, he is all over the place, and when he makes some of his most salient, impactful points with his back to the camera and the audience, he's done this 47 years and still doesn't know how to do it. Amazing to me. But what's the other one, Eric, where he comes out and talks about shoot me? He goes, oh, you'll shoot me if I go on too long. Do you know which one that is? The generic point I'm making is there's so much we can do. So much we can do. And we can do it just by eliminating... The tax cut for the top one-tenth of one percent, which is $1,350,000,000,000, has done nothing to help anybody. I'm not going to punish anybody, but everybody should pay a fair share. Exactly. Those corporations that hire out thousands. I won't now because they'll shoot me. Yeah. But here- yeah, it's, it's great. They don't do anything except hire tens of thousands of people, give them benefits and vacations, and allow them to use that money to go on vacation and do other things uh, with it, like buy houses. But they've done nothing for it. And by the way, if you ever want someone not to pay attention to what you're about to say, uh, preface it with just to say something generically. That's like saying just to say something unimportant that you can figure out yourself. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. When we come back, Jesse Waters joins us. We talk about what's happening on his shows, multiple shows, as well as what's happening in the news. The battle between these and the grow these two, and the growing controversy with this Atlantic magazine story. We got another wave of reaction. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. I take responsibility for trusting uh, the word of a neighborhood salon that I've been to over the years many times and that um, when they said what we're able to accommodate people one person at a time and that we can set up that time I trusted that as it turns out it was a setup so I take responsibility for falling for a setup (laughs) fantastic Nancy Pelosi fell for the salon setup and uh, she takes responsibility for wanting to get her hair done and falling prey to those people who set her up to break her own rules. Joining us now, Jesse Waters, who was never set up, takes responsibility for all his actions, and cannot relate at all to this weasel way in which Nancy Pelosi is acting. Want to expand on that, yeah. Jesse? 
Yeah, after Pelosi got her hair blown out, she stopped to play some three-card Monty on the corner of the street of San Francisco. I mean, what a rube. She's getting set up by a salon owner. Imagine what the Russians and the Chinese are capable of. I don't know, man. I, you know, you, you don't want to really train the full force of the mainstream media against a, a struggling small business owner in the middle of a pandemic. I think they're trying to sue this poor woman, and not because she set her up, but probably because she just went on Tucker. Well, well, listen, I thought uh, Trump had a great response. Listen. I watched Nancy Pelosi. You must wear your mask. You have to wear your mask. And we're going to keep every beauty salon closed in California and all over the country. And then I see a picture. I say, uh, Nancy Pelosi, well, where's her mask? As soon as I heard, she said, well, she set me up. Nancy, you're not supposed to get set up. You're representing our country. You know what she should have done, honestly? She should have said, I made a mistake. Sorry. And nobody would be talking about it. Instead, uh, he says, I want to hire her, does the president. <laughs> Erica Kios comes out and says, I see how hard the president fights for America. He inspired me. I never expected all this. But the house I am focused on right now is my house with my two little girls with social distancing. But I appreciate the sentiment that she should take over the the uh, the house. But she also said she's getting a ton of death threats in San Francisco. You know that, Jesse. Yeah, I went to San Francisco and I got death threats, so I can <laughs> definitely understand. Right. You know, in all seriousness, though, Brian, she kind of busts the myth that COVID-19 is going to kill you if you go vote. You know, they're saying it's too dangerous to vote. Well, she just walked into an indoor area without a mask. She doesn't seem that concerned about it. I mean, if you can't reopen schools safely, they keep on claiming that's what's happening with the president. But she just strolls inside with no mask. And now that, you know, she has all these rules and regulations, but Democratic politicians don't follow. This is a big gift for the Republicans because it makes everything that they've been saying about the danger of COVID-19 look petty. And I agree. I mean, Nancy's like the rest of us. It's the end of the summer. You know, we're a little tired of wearing the mask. We're not living in fear like we were in March and April. Sometimes the mask slips below our mouth. You know, maybe we might break a regulation here or there. We're, we're, we're all kind of getting sick of it, Brian. And, uh, and Nancy's just like the rest of us. You know, those like uh, magazines like Us Weekly when they say celebrities, they're just like us. And they show them shopping. <laughs> ah. It's the same thing. No mask, scrolling in, getting a sneak haircut. Her hair looks good, though. I got to give her credit. Which led Devin Nunes on his Fox and Friends to say this. So this is a real scandal. This is what I would call Salon Gate. Uh, if you've noticed, <laughs> if you go back for, for all these six months, uh, you know, I've been with her a few times. Uh, her hair is perfect. So I'm not exactly sure how she was getting her hair done, but for sure she was getting her hair done. So this is bigger than just one time I was duped. I'm sure there might be other footage. <laughs> we need a special counsel to look into this, Absolutely. obviously. We, we, need, we need to know where she was at all times throughout the pandemic because her hair, I got to say, you know, if you're the, if one of the most powerful politicians in the United States of America, in the world, and you're going on TV all the time in front of the cameras, you got to look good. 
and, uh, and and women's hair needs a lot more care than men's hair. Let's put it that way. So you Especially really under- yours. You don't even do anything to yours, do you? I have a team of people who are violating a on a daily basis. <laughs> you they have an entourage. Yeah, right after they get rid of uh, after they work with Mayor Lightfoot over in in <laughs> Illinois, because she also said that she needed to look good for her people. That's why for she needed a haircut. <laughs> Listen, as world-class celebrities that have hair and makeup teams that follow us everywhere we yes. go, Brian, we can sympathize with Nancy. Every hair has to be perfect. I know Ducey, if one hair gets out of place, there's like a war machine that comes on set and tries to fix it. We have to run a repeat. If his hair doesn't look good, they go, just run yesterday's show. <laughs> ben, <Take two. laughs> that's all they need. The Five isn't live, right? You guys take oh, that no. weeks ahead of time. No, yeah. We're, we're, right now, we're covering the um, we're covering the impeachment. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me how it ends. Yeah, yeah not, it ends I'm in not a pandemic. Away, but you're yeah. going to be really surprised. So this Atlantic story is getting under the president's skin big time. Uh, Geraldo was just on with us. He said the president called to congratulate him on 50 years uh, on television, and he said it's really bothering him. He said I never said any of these things, and people are just. Tuning in, it was a 2018 trip to France to commemorate the end of World War One, and they were going to go to a battlefield. The president was supposed to chopper there, and when they said this, too, you know, it was it was too hazy. He didn't go. General Kelly and General Dunford did. It took 90 minutes by car. At which time the president said, "Well, who are those guys? Why were they fighting? And were they all suckers and losers for dying during the war?" And he's like, "I would never say that in a million years." But the Atlantic said they have unnamed sources. By the way, if you do, what, what if you have a big story in 2018, wait till 2020 to publish it, uh, number one. What do, where do you think this is going, Jesse? We've seen so many scandals. We've talked about it together. Uh, where do you think this is? This could be a little bit of an October surprise in September. What I hate about the story, Brian, is that I have no idea. It's from years ago. Yeah. It's anonymous sources. It, look, the timing is extremely suspicious. Did he say something maybe kind of like that? Maybe. Did they make it up out of thin air? Maybe. Honestly, there's no way to verify it because, you know, these same four anonymous sources were the same sources that were saying that Trump was colluding with the Russians, and he wasn't. Right. So you just can't trust the media anymore with these stories, and it just it looks like right as the president is tightening things up in the battlegrounds, they're just trying to chip away at his support with the military and and uncork this kind of mini anonymous sourced scandal on a Thursday night, on a Friday, going into the weekend to talk about it on the Sunday shows. It's it's highly suspicious. Maybe he's joking about something. They took him out of context. I just don't know, and we'll never know because people are too cowardly to come forward and put their name next to it. Well, I just think if General Kelly obviously has an act of crime with the president, and I would not doubt if he's if the president is, is too blunt that he does come out and does verify the story if, he, in fact, it did happen. But Kelly also reported to have said to someone there, Zach Fuentes, who used to be his assistant, when they asked him, is it a big deal if I miss, General Kelly said it's not a big deal if you miss. And he and uh, Dunford hopped on, hopped in a car. That's the reporting that Fox is doing now. 
The other thing that yeah, and up- if you read the John Bolton book, which I did, it's, it's actually not a bad book. It's it's got a lot of good details. He he disagrees with the way this is being portrayed right now in terms of flying oh, really? out there in the rain. Says it was a security issue. Said it was really bad weather. Said the president wanted to go. Said it was going to take an hour and a half and cause all sorts of drama. They couldn't make it happen logistically, and and they didn't go. And he didn't give credence to any of this stuff about getting my hair wet or any of that crap. Um, so, you know, Bolton, obviously not afraid to say what he feels about the president, did not put that in his book the way it's being characterized right now. Well, good job. I did not know that you read John Bolton's book. Does, is anyone else aware of this? Did I just Are you surprised? This? I think you're surprised I read. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I know you read the prompter <laughs> that Greg writes all that stuff for you uh, before the show. Um, but, I mean, how shocked are you that your ratings are this big. I mean, you always expect success. Your ratings are are <laughs> destroying all competition. At a time that years ago, you wouldn't remember, Jesse, you were in high school, but years ago they said at 5 o'clock no one's watching the news. It doesn't really – it's impossible to have success there. And your well, numbers are through the roof. I'm very grateful. It's a, it's a great show. It's a, a weird hour that people tune in at that level. But I think it speaks to the chemistry we have as a crew and, uh, you know, the, the producers. you got to thank the producers. You know better than I do. It's all the producers behind the scenes giving us a great rundown to chew on. And, uh, you know, we've had great topics. Thank you, President Trump, for, <laughs> I don't know, impeachment, um, you know, all this crazy stuff with the election and the rioting, the guy continues to deliver content, and so does the country with these these crazy people out on the streets, and, and you know, there's always something to talk about. Alright, uh, a couple of things. The president has an interesting take on mail-in voting. I, I'm reading between the lines, he seems to be against it. Um, don't I have a source? <laughs> don't go out on a limb. <laughs> right. Um, listen, listen for, for, can we just first say this? There's a difference between absentee voting and mailing everybody a ballot. There's a what difference am I, Juan? Between... You, yeah. you have to explain that to yes, me? Yes, because we have to. It seems like the smartest... <laughs> like Wolf Blitzer, I'm watching with the Attorney General on on, uh, on CNN, and he's saying we do mail-in ballots forever. Other states do it. We, don't we know the issue? We're not changing on a dime. New Jersey and Nevada <laughs> have decided to do it overnight. Most of those people are dead or moved. You move every two years on average in America. So having said that, the president's getting worried. Uh, about people going to show up in person and someone else had filled out their ballot. So the president, in his own unique way, said this, cut six. On your uh, ballots, if you get the unsolicited ballots, send it in and then go make sure it counted. And if it doesn't tabulate, you vote. You just vote. And then if they tabulate it very late, which they shouldn't be doing, they'll see you voted and so it won't count. So send it in early and then go and vote. Every member of the press passed out. Uh, and they said, <laughs> you're telling people to vote twice. <laughs> My assistant, Johnny, his great-grandmother, who's been passed away for a few years, just right. got a ballot delivered right. to her. I'm I not guess. kidding. These things yeah. happen. Here's what they're trying to do, Brian. They know there's no energy for Joe Biden. They know that it's not like you're voting for Barack Obama and people are going to be coming out of the yeah. hills, the mountains, and coming up on Election Day overwhelmingly mm-hmm. to vote. And a lot of the Democrats, this is a study, are misinformed.
informed about the risks posed to COVID-19 with regards to age. So they're all scared to death anyway, and they're not excited about Joe. So they're going to stay home. It's going to be a low turnout election. Trump does better in low turnout elections. Republicans usually do, and especially Trump's base is three times as fired up. So they're trying to flood all of the roles with these ballots. And then they have a bunch of potential Biden votes out there once they have a bunch of these ballots floating around. You can harvest them. You can coerce people, whatever. They send them in, and what they're going to do is they're going to sue. When Trump wins on election night, Biden will not concede because Hillary told him not to concede. And then they will sue to prolong the counting deadline. And they'll keep pushing the deadline back, pushing it back, pushing it back. And... They will say Trump is trying to stop the vote. Trump is trying to not count every vote. And eventually the rules are going to kick in, and they're going to say there's a deadline here, and it's going to be a hard deadline. And that gives them the opportunity to say Trump is illegitimate. Trump stole the election. Trump is not the true president. Let's riot on the street again. And he's going to stay in office no matter what the results of the election are. They're already preparing the ground for this, and you can see it coming a mile away. There is, and that's why they keep saying the same story. They're going to need the military to remove the president. Right. The military is going to be needed. Wait, wait a second. Where did this come from? Uh, don't concede. You just mentioned Hillary. So, Jesse, have you begun to formulate the Jesse Waters show this weekend? I'm actually formulating it right now. Okay. I'm writing Waters' words. I'm using a lot of pictures. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, we're going to have a fun show. We have Trey Gowdy. Um, we have Huckabee. We'll talk about Biden. We'll talk about Antifa. I have an Antifa supporter who's running for mayor in Portland. You got, wait, wait, um, are you talking to her? Yes, yeah, she will be on Waters World one-on-one. Fantastic. And um, and then we will have Nancy Grace. There was a big child sex trafficking bus down in Georgia. Okay. Huge network that she's going to discuss what's going on there. And then we have Peter Schweitzer. There's some new information about Hunter. Where's Hunter? Still taking money from the Chinese, so he's going to explore that. And Waters World, 8 o'clock, repeats at 11. Wow. And you're going to do the same one in the repeat? Or if you have so much information, you might have to do a fresh show at 11. Do I have to? Yes. I think you might I have, have to. Do to. two shows? I, so even if I do two shows, it's not as much airtime as you're getting, Brian. Right, because I'm much more insecure. You only need an hour. You need an hour. I need three. I need six. I um, know. That ego needs constant care. But the good news is uh, Jesse's back in studio with Brian Kilmeade, so we're back at 12-11. Where are you? I, uh, why am I not? I wish I was in studio with you. Do you, do I need to get tested to see you? Are you like the president? <laughs> Listen, I'm, me and, me and uh, the, the Brian Kilmeade Show staff, I don't know the, all their names. Uh, it is just a huge <laughs> staff. I just know, hey, could you hand me this? That's how. That's what I usually do. Right, uh, and don't look me in the eye. I ask them not to, but I don't want it to be a scandal, so I don't actually say that. I kind of you're just, the like, Ellen of Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> that is the reputation. That's going to be mediaite. Uh, that's fantastic. So Jesse, we're going to watch your show, and uh, little by little, we're going to get the people back in studio, and then soon we're going to be able to eat indoors, and life will be good again. All right, I'm waiting for it. Thanks, Brian. All right, Jesse Waters, thanks. one 408 7669 We're going to come back with all the calls. Man, I see you uh, from uh, New York to Maryland uh, to Queens, which is also New York, West Virginia, Wisconsin. I'll get to all of them when we come back. 
Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, let's go to Ann and listen on WABC in New Jersey. Hey, Ann. Hey, Brian. Thank you so much for taking my phone call. No problem. You want to talk Uh, about Pelosi's haircut? Yes, her wonderful haircut. Look, even if it was a setup, and I know it wasn't, she still was not wearing a mask. Thank you. So what did the salon owner do? Rip her mask off of her face and say, I'm setting you up. She was still not wearing a mask, Brian. And also, she was indoors getting a haircut while everybody in California has to sit outside and small business has been on hold for six months. And she is exactly. And you heard Devin Nunes. It's not her first haircut. She the woman looks immaculate every day like she's going to the prom. Thanks so much for the call. Appreciate it. Let's go out to Queens. Adam, W.A.B.C. Adam, what's on your mind? Hey, Brian. Hey, Brian. Good uh, morning. Just wanted to talk about Rochester, New York and lovely Warren, their mayor, as well as police commissioner, LaRon Singletary. Let's call them out for their incompetence. Daniel Prude, the deceased 41-year-old man who was called in for running around naked while being high on PCP in the uh, March 23rd winter weather of freezing Rochester. For those national people here, that's right next to Canada here in New York, nowhere near downstate Queens. Point is, is that while this guy's quote on a uh, cause excited delirium from the PCP intoxication, and when the cops get there, he's spitting. Seven days later, Brian, on March 30th, the man is unplugged from life support. I hear you, Adam. There's a lot of controversy there. The, the officers are suspended. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade here. Get ready to close out the week here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. I hope you have a safe Labor Day. I think a lot of us are staying home or staying domestic. Not many Norwegian vacations. They're not really welcoming us. They don't really want us in Australia. Although you wouldn't think it, but there are other places that are still struggling with the virus, even though the numbers are going down here. I mean, they're going down and they're going up in Europe. They're certainly going up in Spain. There was protests about the restrictions in Germany, as I mentioned earlier this week, in Switzerland, as well as the U.K., and France, people are tired of being locked down, locked out. I get it. I 100% get it because I no one has said anything about this virus that was intriguing for about six months. Don't wear a mask, wear a mask. Uh, waiting on a vaccine, I understand that. Uh, this works, this doesn't work. Okay, we, we'll see what happens. Hospitalizations up here, not here. Okay, and what do you want us to do? Stay six feet away and wear a mask. Okay, fine. Still? Yep, absolutely. We got it. There's no expert. You go to school as much as you want. You have not told us anything interesting. So, everyone, be smart about it. Have a great weekend, but don't make it like Memorial Day on the 4th of July where we have to dominate the stories over the next two weeks about how irresponsible we were on Labor Day. But have a great time. So let's get to the big three. 
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Pfizer, great company, announced that it expects to have the results of its vaccine trials in a matter of weeks, very shortly. But it really might even be delivered before the end of October. How do you like that? Wouldn't that be nice? I like that, too. Johnson & Johnson getting close. And so far, believe it or not, the vaccine, the Russian vaccine, Lancet said so they think no one's gotten hurt by it, and there's no sense that it's not working. Okay, interesting. Coronavirus, zeroing in on a vaccine. You just heard. Uh, We try to be responsible on the holiday. You just heard me say that. Meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi tries to shake her salon scandal, and the president having some fun with it, saying he needs the salon owner. If she was indeed duping the speaker, the salon owner should be the speaker. Nice try. Number two. I want to speak directly to the president. Mr. President, if you persist in trying to deny the funding that's keeping New York City going in the middle of this crisis, we will see you in court. And once again, we will beat you in court. Right, exactly. Mayor de Blasio, every time he speaks, it's so clear we should not be listening. Taking action. The president is tired of watching liberal cities abused and threatened to take their money as New York is among the targets threatening to take the White House to court. I have a better idea. How about cracking down and backing the blue as these ugly incidents surface in Rochester, New York now? Portland continues 100 straight days. And New York last night, a driver went right through a Black Lives Matter protest. Thankfully, nobody was hurt. What is it going to take to bring these cities under control? Number one. So he hasn't answered questions in, what, two months or something. And yesterday, he took a couple, and they were setups like I've never seen. There's a lot of folks who thought that, well, the president's made great strides with his this law and order strides here. He hasn't. Not at all. Right. Use your inside voice. <laughs> What's wrong with them? That is Joe Biden at a church, boring everyone to tears. On the trail, Biden and Trump exchanged verbal shots and accusations as both kid hit key battleground states. Well, according to the polls, they are too close to call. Does that sound familiar? We're going to review it. President's got some ground to make up, but the best thing that could happen is Biden's actually campaigning, turning his back on the camera when he's trying to make good points and boring himself, saying things like, if I continue, I think you'll shoot me right after going to visit Kenosha, Wisconsin residents who were trying to get over the horror of seeing someone shot seven times. Keep up the great work. The president of the United States taking aim at Biden. And why is it so hard to hit? It's not that Joe Biden's likable or more likable. It's because moderate Joe in the 90s and the one that maybe ran in 2008, even President Obama, that is not the policies and practices that we saw in the primaries. That's not the guy that put his hand up when he talked about uh, when he talked when he talked about getting rid of fossil fuels. He said it multiple times, but now he tells us he's not going to get rid of fracking. Okay, when it comes to uh, decriminalizing border crossings, he says he's not going to get rid of that. But he put his hand up to say he was. And when it came to legalizing illegals in our country, he tells everyone in the primaries he's going to do that. But now he says he's going to take a look at it. And when it comes to DACA, we know where he stands on that. Now, even though there could be a deal that would be had there, the president was willing to do that, even though they would have gotten conservatives angry. The problem is the issues are that the Joe Biden that we know will lead is not the one who's trumpeting these policies. So that's what the president's having trouble doing, outlining how he's going after the flip-flops. Cut to. When asked in a debate if there would be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking and 
natural gas and so many things that really fire up these big plants where many of you work and they produce, you know, just millions and millions of jobs throughout our country. Biden said, no, we would absolutely not allow anything like that. We would make sure it's totally eliminated. That's what he said. He said, we would make sure it's totally eliminated or eliminated. Now he's coming and saying, this isn't working too well. Yeah, it isn't. Now he says, we'll definitely not do it. You're not going to win Pennsylvania or Ohio if you stand on those policies. So Victor Davis Hanson looked uh, with us yesterday and then last night at the Joe Biden that's running and the one that's really going to be running things. Cut 14. For about 90 days, he really was a virtual candidate, and he was, had a steady lead in the polls because he looked at that violence in the street where Portland, Seattle is useful, the anarchy and chaos supposedly reflected badly on the commander-in-chief, and then as suddenly things changed. These polls, there's a lot of other polls, and they as well showed a gradual increase in Trump support, and then suddenly it was this, we can't have this devil's bargain anymore with the hard left. We've got to come out and sort of say something that they shouldn't do this. Well, they were perfectly happy to see the precinct burn down or not happy, but they were willing to tolerate that. And yet they can't really come out and, and attack BLM and the Antifa because they've embraced, they being the Harris and Biden team, the socialist agenda. So that's what he's in between now. Uh, You have Black Lives Matter saying, yeah, things got to change in the cities. I want reparations. And I actually these uh, riots are a part of the process. And and our beliefs are the beliefs of the Democratic Party. Well, there's a lot of people in the Democratic Party or people who are anti-Trumpers who are looking for somebody to vote for. They wouldn't vote for the leader of Black Lives Matter. Not that people don't believe in the phrase. They don't believe in the organization. Yet the NBA put it on their courts. And I think that's going to play have a presence in the NFL which is costing the NBA ratings to the tune of 20 to 30 percent their voting, their voting is off. In terms of what's happening on the ground, what the president did is he called the Blake family, and he was the gentleman that was shot seven times with a sexual assault on his, on his record, at least one, and was showing up in violation of a protection order to a house. And that house, that, they are the ones who called the cops. Should he have gotten shot seven times? The investigation will probably reveal he shouldn't, but I'm not a cop. The question is, the president called the family and they say, listen, I'd like to come down and say hi. They say, well, we won't do it with it. You can't see him. He's in the hospital, but we won't do it without a lawyer present. Got the wrong vibe, so he didn't do it. But he walked through the wreckage and carnage of what happened in Kenosha over the last three days as the cops were overwhelmed and the National Guard was undermanned and the whole place was burned down. He walked over and he said four million, uh, four million for to rebuild this city, one million to uh, to fortify the men and women in blue that are that are uh, supporting Kenosha law enforcement. Joe Biden didn't visit any of uh, the broken windows and the destroyed factories and the tire store that no longer will be open for business and the used car lot that had countless numbers of used cars exploded. But one member of Black Lives Matter did speak yesterday and she went off script. Her name is Portia Bennett of Kenosha. Cut 12. I'm just going to be honest, Mr. Biden. I was told to go off this paper, but I can't. You need the truth. And the truth of the matter is we are heavily angry. Not angry as to where people say, oh, they're protesting. There are diff- there's a difference between a protester and a rioter. A very big difference. So I'm pretty sure that she's 
fomenting riots are okay because they're very angry. She went on to say that she's uh, the mother of two. She doesn't like what's going on. I didn't think Kenosha had a problem uh, with police officers. If there is, let's hear it. Let's work it out. I would not burn down the tire store. That doesn't further anybody's cause. And it's Joe Biden is realizing this, and that's why he's trying to disseminate this. And the only reason is because the polls say he's in trouble because of this issue. He wanted to say incompetence with the coronavirus. He wanted to say the president is, is not good, is not uh, equipped to do the job and build off President Obama. You know what hit him? Law and order. And the fact is, you can't call the president a dictator and at the same time say, why is he not cracking down on these city, these city violence? You can't say the president wants all this control and wants to be an absolute monarch. At the same time, he says, governors, what do you need? I will support your coronavirus response. That's not the way somebody who wants to consolidate presidential power acts. You can't have it both ways. And when he took action in New York City specifically, the governor went off the charts angry, saying you're not going to get any federal funds unless you start backing the blue, stop cutting the police and uh, first responders' budgets, and then expect us to give you money and you're going to put it elsewhere. So, of course, the governor gets mad and the mayor here sues. When we get back, I'm going to talk to someone who I haven't met yet from the White House, Special Assistant to the President of the United States. He is Joe Lavornia. He's a Special Assistant to the President, Chief Economist for the National Economic Council. And what he is is going to uh, talk about some real good news. As a country, unemployment's too high, but it's dropped from uh, 18% to now 8%. First time under 10% since March, 8.4%. We added 1.37 million jobs. Which is great, but we still lost 11. we got to chip away at that number. Where are we at? Where are we going? And what about spending in another rescue package? We'll talk about that. And the need to get the hotels, airlines, and restaurants, and small businesses and salons open again. Give the American people an opportunity to work their way out of this. That's all we ask. Back in a moment. It's Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. To think that I would make statements negative to our military and our fallen heroes when nobody's done what I've done with the budgets, with the military budgets, with getting pay raises for our military. It is a disgraceful situation by a magazine that's a terrible magazine. I don't read it, but I just heard about it. They made it up, and probably it's a couple of people that have been failures in the administration that I got rid of, and I couldn't get rid of them fast enough, but, or, or it was just made up. So they're talking about something that happened in 2018 when the president went to France to commemorate the end of World War One, and there was a battlefield trip he was supposed to take, take 20 minutes by chopper, 90 minutes by car. He decided not to go when the fog was too thick, at which time he said, why, basically, according to reports, why should I go? They were all suckers and losers. They got killed during the war. And they segue to negative things he said about McCain. He went on a little bit further to say, listen, John McCain and I didn't get along, but I gave him a nine-day funeral and did everything he wanted, got him my Air Force Two. Uh, for his casket, but uh, he said some nasty things about him and also destroyed the remake 
on uh, Obamacare, which truly hurt his presidency. So the president went after him. I don't agree at all by saying I like guys that don't get captured. But that doesn't mean the president of the United States anti-military would say this. I don't understand even the mentality of somebody that would say for World War One veterans, uh, what were they fighting for? I don't understand. Suckers were losers who died in battle. 1,800 Marines. That makes no sense. doesn't even sound like something that would even, on the worst day, come out of a drunk person's mouth, let alone somebody who doesn't drink or do drugs like the President of the United States, who's not known as anti-military, who, by the way, uh, has a lot of visits. It also says he doesn't like wounded soldiers, which I never heard of uh, him saying before. Why else would he be going to Walter Reed so often? which he does a lot. I just texted the White House to see if I can get a number on that. But, it, you know, it's devastating. If you want to hurt him in the military, you wait. You'd have a story in 2018, and then you save it for 2020. That's, of course, going to take up a lot of the oxygen uh, over the weekend on the Sunday shows, not the reviving economy, and it's not going to be the president's reviving uh, poll numbers, which I'll go over. They're, you know, he's not winning in any of these states, but he's almost in almost every one of these states. And when you're in the margin of error with the president, that means you're you could be leading by a small margin because so many people say this president, unlike Bush and Gore and Kerry and Obama and uh, Romney, people uh, don't want to hear the backlash when they say they're voting for him. So, you know, all that. So you have all these polls coming out at the same time. But what it would what happen to Joe Biden is he had a chance to see. Uh, Joe Biden had a chance to see the momentum that was created by the RNC. He saw everyday, every, everyday people talking about how they benefited from the president's policies and the outrage uh, that he's getting in poll numbers about how this law and order and the lack of it in Portland, Seattle and Minneapolis. Uh, and and that's why I think he's out there campaigning, which is going to be trouble for him because he's terrible at it. Uh, Joe Lavornia joins us now, special assistant to the president, chief economist for the National Economic Council. Joe, welcome. Thank you, Brian. Thank you very much. Happy to be on with you. So, Joe, the numbers were, were better than projected uh, in the, the economic numbers released today. 1.37 million jobs added to payrolls, 8.4% unemployment rate. So we're out of double figures first time since March. Where are the jobs coming from? Let me just, uh, Brian, say that the numbers were just fantastic. You mentioned the 1.4 million increase in, uh, in payrolls. The household data, uh, which is where the unemployment comes from, right. actually showed 3.8 million jobs. So the numbers are great. So there's other ways to look at employment, but it's possible that we could have generated even, even more jobs than what the establishment numbers showed. It's just another series. People tend to focus on the former than the latter, but I just want to highlight that. And also, that unemployment rate at 8.4, just keep in mind, Brian, there were many private forecasters, many of which I used to compete with when I was on Wall Street, that had, did not see unemployment getting below 10% until next year. So we're way ahead of schedule. And part of that's because the industries that are creating jobs are very broad-based, construction, manufacturing, retail trade, leisure and hospitality. It is really, truly, Brian, broad-based. It's, it's a real, as we've been saying, uh, V-shaped recovery, or as the president, I think, more accurately says, it's a, it's a super V-shaped recovery. And that's what we're seeing in the data, and we're very happy about it. So to really get this thing going, we need uh, hospitality back on track. And a lot of people think we have to hold off on that because people just aren't traveling. They're not hopping on planes. Are the airlines going to get a bailout? Another one? Yeah. 
the, the president has talked about providing support to the airlines because they're so important in terms of uh, yep. our, infra- you know, our, tra- our, our, our distribution infrastructure. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I'm not, I'm not privy to, to what negotiations are taking place there, but the president knows the airlines among many industries are very, very important. I will say, though, on the on the travel side, what we've been seeing in the data is even though people aren't necessarily going overseas and getting on a plane like they used to, although the, the TSA numbers are showing some improvement. Yes, exactly right. You're seeing driving and you're seeing people's spending patterns change, which is, is, is important in the sense that they're optimistic on the future. They're they're confident, I think, in the president's policies. Uh, we're seeing record retail sales uh Year-to-date are up 9% annualized. They're at a record level. That's why retail employment was up almost a quarter of a million jobs. So we're seeing some really good improvement, and we're confident that if the the president's pro-growth policies can persist, this boom will continue into next year and we'll be at a really, really wonderful place. Of course, if we pursue massive tax increases, uh, massive inefficient government spending programs, that's a different story. Gotcha. Uh, listen, Joe, cut a little short. We had trouble tracking you down in the beginning, but I'm glad you came on and put some, uh, shed some light and some, brought some color to the economic numbers, which are good. People don't like to lead with good news. We do like to lead with it. Joe, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. Pre- Michael Loftus next. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. So I'm in the grocery store and a woman comes up to me, early 30s. Can you say that now? You describe somebody by their age, or is that going to set somebody off? So uh, she goes, uh, you know, you should wear a, like a different mask. Those masks aren't good. I got one of these, these gator masks. She's like, yeah, you, you shouldn't wear those masks. So this is what I do. You should try this. Anytime anybody, don't come back with anything. Don't yell. Don't scream. What I've noticed in comedy is silence is golden, and it also works when uh, you're confronted. What you do is you wear the mask, right? You just do a death stare, and they, they don't know what to do. They're expecting you to come back with something. You go silent, and you look like you just fell out of a cartel ends the confrontation (laughs) is that true i think that's a great lesson in life from sebastian maniscalco an outstanding comedian like our next guest uh michael loftus comedian founder of the loftus party others have claimed that they found the loftus party but no it was michael he's the original and you could always find him at the loftus party on twitter michael sebastian maniscalco finding some comedy in the pandemic have you oh my goodness yes first of all it's good to be on the show. It's great Thank to be you. back. And, yeah, there's so much. Listen, uh, I went to the uh, the improv in Dallas back in May, and people, they, they're just itching to make fun of this thing. The lockdown, the masks, the hand washing, all of it, all of it. It's it's fantastic. The mask but, thing is great. Sebastian, can you imagine Sebastian giving you giving you that look? I'm going to take his advice. If somebody starts busting my chops for not wearing a mask, you just give them the death stare, and you just walk away. Wasn't he in – didn't he play a mobster in the movies? Uh, 
What was the I movie that was, it was five yeah, hours long that got nominated but didn't win anything? Yeah, it was the uh, it was the, that Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, the movie Irishman with uh, the Irishman. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't commit to that. I can't I can't commit to anything for five and a half hours. <laughs> and like I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna watch a movie with Robert De Niro wearing Frankenstein shoes. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I got other things to do. Right, that didn't work. That whole uh, going back in time thing. So so Michael, what has it been like as a comedian? I look at think about you, the music, the musicians, the the major ones and the smaller ones. You need this thing called an audience. You need a crowd. What do we do? We're not allowed to have crowds or audiences. It's. I was actually, and this is no lie, I was just protesting the, that New York was shutting down some clubs. New York has shut down all ticketed entertainment. There was a few clubs that were op- There was a few clubs that were opened up. They had uh, seating that was separated, six feet apart. People yeah. were in masks. People were getting their temperature checked. Everything was great. And I'm like, okay. We're going to come through this. I'm doing shows again. Everything was cool. And then Cuomo's like, no, somebody's having fun. Is somebody having fun and enjoying their life? Shut it down. It makes no sense. You You can go to a restaurant, but you can't laugh, evidently. But no, you can't go indoors. He says, we're not ready for indoor dining until I have 4,000 people who are going to monitor other people to make sure these people are staying away from other people. 4,000 people. By the way, who's paying them? The city's broke, has no tax revenue, but now we're hiring 4,000 people to go into Michael Loftus's comedic appearances and try to find somebody who thinks you're so funny, the mask dips down, and you go to whisper to the next person next to you, and they got to get ticketed or jailed. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole new level of bureaucracy, and then someone has to monitor the people who are monitoring the people to make sure they're not letting anything slide. It's it's. It's completely ridiculous, and uh, I'm, I'm calling for anarchy. I just want people to open up. I'll, I'll take the heat for this. Just open up your business. Hey, Be Michael. safe, check temperatures, wear a mask, but just open. Listen, I don't want to take the wind out of your sails, but if you're calling for anarchy, you're 100 days too late in Portland, 400 days late <laughs> in Seattle. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Kenosha lately, but they're way ahead of you. And I'm sure Rochester's no walk in the park. So, Michael Loftus, you called for anarchy. Um, I think we beat you to the punch as a nation. <laughs> right? How? And that, here's, here's, the, here's the thing with, like, Portland. I, I saw the headline the other day. It's like 90-plus days of riots. Like, 90-plus. Yeah. Yeah. They're not even doing exact days anymore. They're like, <laughs> they're like just uh, they were, we're not even counting. It's like Noah's Ark at this point. It's biblical. It's 40 days and 40 nights. They should be building an arc there. It's just it's, uh, unbelievable. Uh, and we don't even know their point. Their point is, why are we in Portland? Go to another city. So the mayor tries to kiss up to him. He protests with them. He's taking on the president. And now how they show their, how much they appreciate him? They go to his house, defile the tower he lives in, harass his neighbors to the point where he's got to move. So the liberal mayor is not liberal enough, and now he's in a runoff election with a member of Antifa. And I wish there was a punchline, but I just read the news to you, Michael Loftus. It's, it's hilarious. Like, that guy's self-esteem has to be so low. It has to be so low. First of all, he's like, yeah, go ahead and burn the city. I'm not going to arrest anybody. It's all good. He protests with them. They hate him. Then they try to burn him alive, and he's still like, no, that's cool. I'll just move. It's, it's fine. I like you guys. What are we doing on Thursday? Can I sit at your table? It's, 
Well, the Seattle mayor was the best. She's like, I have no problem with an autonomous zone, destroying businesses, taking over streets, using barricades to keep the cops out while selling drugs and destroying the place. She goes, I don't care. It's a summer love. Just let them blow off steam. Do they want to take the police station? Let them. You know what? Can we have the cops come out, please? They need to blow off steam. Next thing you know, she's fine with it. Until they come to her house and start protesting. Yeah. She, her kids got scared. Then she wants, get this, the cops to get the people away. <laughs> yes. That's, at least she had the sense to wake up. They're like, she's like, oh, crap, they're in my front yard. Okay, this has gone too far. But Ted Wheeler's such a loser. He doesn't even get it when they attack his house. Just, it's pathetic. And then you've got, uh, oh, 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 who's the Lightfoot? Lightfoot in Chicago. Yeah, she's okay. They can riot. They can loot. And then all of a sudden they get there on her street. She's like, no, no, I need to, I need to protect my family. Right. I have a family I have to think about. And you're like, yeah, so does the rest of America, you, you but, Beetlejuice-looking freakazoid. Like, we all want to protect our families. Well, the funny thing is when she got caught getting a haircut in April, her excuse is classic. And again, I wish there was, I mean, sometimes these jokes write themselves by reading out of the paper. It's not a joke. She said it seriously. The people of Chicago expect me to look a certain way. I have a standard. I need a haircut. So nobody else in Chicago gets a haircut because of the pandemic. But she has a standard. I don't know. Was she recruited yeah. right off print modeling in order to get that job? I'm not, I have the news for you, Mayor. You didn't really have a high bar before the pandemic. Listen, the lockdown has affected us all. She couldn't participate in this year's Victoria's Secret fashion show. <laughs> so she has to keep up appearances. But at least she was honest that way. At least she, she came out and she goes, I have to keep up my nice appearance. She's not like Nancy Pelosi who's like, I was set up. I was set up. Like, because that happens all the time when hair salon owners just randomly, it's like, it's like De Niro and Goodfellas. They try to talk you back into the alley. Hey, come on back here, Nancy. Come on back here. I got I got a nice salon back here. You got to get your hair done. Come on back here with me. She was tricked. As Devin Nunes brought up, I'm, she's looked pretty good through the pandemic. I'm pretty sure that wasn't her first haircut. Yet in, in California, yeah. not only are clubs and restaurants not allowed to open, salon owners are told as of Monday for the first time in six months they can only open up outside. And what is better than sitting outside on the sidewalk getting a haircut? <laughs> Nancy Pelosi's out there. Really? We're going to do this out here? That's a lot of human feces, and I think I just stepped on a needle. I don't right. want to get the hep C. I just need my roots done. <laughs> so so I, got, I got another story for you. I'm not you're familiar with. Allison actually found it. Um, she says that this Montclair principal thought she'd wel- they'd welcome teachers and parents back to school by talking about the pandemic in a fun way, but not him, he rolled a uh, clip of Josh Prey. Do you know him? He's a comedian. I've never met Josh. I've never met him. So listen to a little of Josh Prey, and this got him fired. To every educator out there, I want to apologize and let y'all know that I can't do it. Homeschooling ain't for me. My kids need to be with you or with you. Where them kids need to be. I apologize. I, I promise you I'm going to get you them number two pencils you've been asking me for all school year. But right now I can't go outside. They say social distance. So that got him fired. They said it was inappropriate. Which is 
horrible, and hopefully there's a lawsuit coming. I'm like, I used to be like anti-lawyer, anti-lawsuit. Now I'm just pro. Let's just fill up the courts with laws. That shouldn't get that. I watched that video. It was hilarious. Right. The guy, the guy's apologizing. He's apologizing to the teachers. My kids are animals. I don't know how they were getting straight A's. They're eating me out of house and home. So he's apologizing to the teachers like you guys are doing a great job. I can't handle it. It's super complimentary. And it's very funny. I think it's I think it's racist that they were offended to fire the teacher. Listen, I should qualify. It says he was immediately replaced as principal. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's fire. What do you do if you're not the principal anymore? I don't know, teach Jim? Uh, so the acting principal, Major <laughs> Jenny. Um, so he had to apologize. I don't. I actually think it's funny. You try to lighten it up. I think that for the long for the long time, I think you guys are going to have a lot. People are going to look to laugh at what our lives have been like over the last few months, Michael. Well, the other theory is people oh. don't want to hear about it. I, I I don't know, and it's just like everybody's so hypersensitive right now. Everybody just. It, they just need to relax. That, hopefully that principle will come back because that's ridiculous. And when the principle is reinstated, maybe uh, maybe they can open up their Zoom meeting with a uh, Stephen Wright bit or an old, or an old Steve Martin yeah. bit. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> it's just uh, – it's outrageous. People are so pent up. They're, 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 the whole nation is like a, like a rubber band that's been stretched too far, and people better – watch it because at, at any moment the other side can snap michael loft. people going off in portland but we can we can snap too michael loftus is with us and he's just talking about life and and a lot of people can relate to this they're either aspiring or like you established and they have we have one thing in common you cannot go in front of a crowd or an audience whether you're a motivational speaker or a country music star or like you an elite comedian who usually sells out everywhere he goes you just kind of on hold and listen to the war of words that's happening here in new york now, there's an effort now to open up and have indoor dining. That would help the club scene and maybe save the club scene. So when the, when the president made it clear that he is going to be stopping funding from these cities that are not supporting law enforcement and not opening up, listen to Governor Cuomo. Look, the best thing he did for New York City was leave. Good riddance. Let him go to Florida. Be careful not to get COVID. He can't come back to New York. He can't. He's going to walk down the street in New York. Forget bodyguards. He better have an army if he thinks he's going to walk down the street in New York. Michael, in, from what you know from the streets that you walk, if anybody needs it's we all need an army to survive in New York now because <laughs> right? the, there's nobody there except vagrants and homeless. I walk it every day. I've never seen it like this. Number one, I think the the men and women in blue would protect the president. They see an ally there. Oh yeah, that's uh, and that's 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 a funny thing because because the NYPD they endorsed Trump. Like Cuomo needs the army. And I, if I was Trump, I would just get one of those old timey like cassette recorders and just have the loop of Cuomo begging for help. You know, please, please send the Navy ship. Please, please help. Trump hooked him up, and for him and for, for Nipples Ring McGee to be talking this kind of smack when Trump isn't in the room, that's, that's beyond disrespectful. That is beyond disrespectful. Hey, not everybody's your brother that has a show on CNN. There's a lot of us regular men and women out there who are sick of it, are sick of it. Like anybody, we could pick a name out of the phone book and then somebody do a better job of running this city and running this state. But he's got more pizzazz. So 
uh, I know it's hard to be creative when you're locked in. You think we're going to have a creative boom. One person that went off is one of the most successful comedians in the country, Jim Gaffigan. Uh, countless, during the RNC, countless anti-Trump tweets. Uh, he says, I have no regrets. When you saw those cascading in, what are you thinking, Michael? You came out and said you're a conservative, and a lot of people just don't talk to you anymore. What do you think happened? I know how successful he is. not have to worry about his next paycheck. But he's always been a, an everyman comedian. What's changed now? I think quarantine has changed him. You're in your own thought. You're not in the real world. Gaffigan's not out in the real world anymore. He's in his apartment. He's got one person to talk to, and that's himself. And all of a sudden, these, these horrible... These horrible ideas and these horrible instincts, they just come flying out for the world to see. And he's in for a penny, in for a pound. Like, I've done that. Like, I've written a joke before all by myself, and then I tell – and I think it's hilarious. And then you tell somebody, and they're like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it's like he didn't have anybody to bounce the material off of. If he would have told his manager, he's like, hey, I'm going to go on an anti-Trump rant, and I'm going to be dropping F-bombs, and it's just going to be a whole Twitter thread. They would have stopped him. They would have stopped him. Like, why do you want to alienate half of your audience? Right. You better hope the quarantine lasts a good long time because I don't think tickets are going to be moving for Gaffigan shows in the future. Michael Loftus, so tell me how we get a hold of you. How do we keep track when you're finally back on the stage? You, All the tour dates are up at theloftusparty.com and uh, the Loftus Party on Twitter. And the YouTube channel is blowing up, which is also casually called the Loftus Party. It's kind of matchy-matchy, Brian Kilmeade. I love it. And by the way, Michael lives one town away, and we have not gotten together, which I find disturbing. I mean, we could do yeah. something not on the air, and you're choosing not to. <laughs> well, the show that I'm working on, we're back in production. Things are a little crazy. But, hey, I tell you what, we're going to grab a cup of coffee soon. We'll write some jokes, and then we'll get arrested by Cuomo for enjoying ourselves. Fantastic. Uh, Michael Loftus, thanks so much. <laughs> Appreciate it. Continued success. Hey, good to talk to you, buddy. Have a good one. You too. one 408 You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Just finishing up. It's always great to have Michael Loftus on. But you don't know how hard it is to be creative when you're angry. And uh, I'm not saying he is. But it's when you're a comedian, you got to be creative, but you don't know when you're getting back on stage. Also, if you have this thing called, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue, bills, and then all of a sudden you've planned for life with the normal income and it's just gone. I mean, think about that. Uh, that's what I'm not saying that he's having bill money problems. I think he's working with Kevin James and doing unbelievable stuff. But I'm just thinking about other people out there, especially if you're emerging as an artist in some way. you got to think about that. Bill, listen on WABC in Brooklyn. Hey, Bill. Good morning. I want to say one thing. Professional sports has taken away the uh, one thing that we can get away from reality. Our life-free zone, baseball, football, all of it. I used to, we used to go there to get away from reality. I remember sitting in the bleachers in Yankee Stadium next to Barico and next to Blacks. We were all one. Now it's all an issue. I'm down to golf. I think golf is the only thing I could watch, and I hate watching golf. They can keep it. I'll never not watch another sports show again. <laughs> Listen, I hear you playing. Hey, they're staying away from 35%. Ratings are down the NBA. Major League Baseball, the walk-offs, they're not strong uh, regionally. I hope football goes to town on this and just lets people play. 
Brian Kilmeade Show. Have a great Labor Day. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.